Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. So I don't know how many of you got a chance to take a look at the e-blast or read the little blurb that that came out sort of talking about what we're going to do this morning. Um... But again, in, in sort of singing in harmony <laughs> with Allison's comment this morning about just feeling tired, uh, I am so tired of the news, you guys. Um, how many, and again, I can see at least some of our hands, how many of us are just so sick and tired of waking up to some new catastrophe where we just hang our head and say, this now? You know, like, it's just, it's one of those times where (laughs) there's just an unrelenting news cycle. And, um, and what's kind of crazy is that some of, I mean, anytime we look at something like a news cycle, we need to know that there's some element of that that's manufactured because it's a business and so they need to pump out the news. Um... You know, it's altogether a a different thing when all of a sudden uh, just a huge chunk of that news is genuinely, genuinely newsworthy, is a genuine moment in the human story, a genuine moment in the shape of of what life looks like for for us as a society. And, uh, you know, that just, it feels like there's this unrelenting barrage of of new things that are taking place, and um, and not even necessarily the obvious stuff, you know. I um, there was some. I'm not going to kind of get into it or spell it out here, but just you know, kind of completely unrelated to COVID, or to rioting, or protesting, or you know, the I mean, just some of the awful, terrible things that are taking place between, in terms of tensions between people of different races and backgrounds and. And uh, this was totally unrelated to all of those things. And it was just like, a, oh my gosh, like, what are we, what's going on here? And so, um, so I've been asking this question, the world being as it is, uh, which is a confusing and complicated space, um, how do we live out the gospel? What does it mean? What does it mean to take our cues from Jesus? What sort of role should, should the news of the day play in how we shape our lives and how we shape our thinking? Um, you know, there's like this series of events that we have that precipitated a, a torrent of like disturbing images, and and um, you know, and while a lot of that it's true is coming out of of you know America, our country to the south, our, our friends, um, you know, this stuff seems to have impact for us as well, kind of right across the board. Not only because our societies are so deeply interwoven and there's so many similarities but also because relationally how many of us have strong connections I mean some of my very best friends uh, in the world are, are Americans and and some of them are some of them are are racial minorities in, in, in America and you know see we see these things and we feel these things and what does it look like and so 
you know, in the little write-up that we mailed out on, on Thursday, you know, I was like, I've been squinting to see and straining to hear what the invitation to God, of God, is to us in, in this minute, right? Um, you know, what, what is it? There's such a noise. And I'm, I'm going to play something just here. I had, I'm an audible thinker, I, I think, like in an auditory way. And so um, I, I, on some level, I apologize for the next 15 or 20 seconds. But this is sort of what the world is sounding like to me right now. And I hope, I hope that this, I hope that this works. These are some of my favorite songs. How many of you loved that? It's like Unforgettable Fire is in there, Holst is in there, some beautiful music, but all played at the same time. It's just crazy. It's so hard to discern anything that's of value, even though those are some of my favorite recordings on the earth. And the cacophony that we're hearing are not our favorite sounds. So how do we discern? How do we discern for the voice of God? What's the invitation to us today? Um... Asking, I said, I said in the in the email, I said I've been asking myself a lot of questions, and uh, and and some of those questions are driven by my own personal experiences and things that I've seen, and some of them are driven by the by the world that I that I'm seeing and witnessing, and by the news feeds as we're talking about. You know, I'm asking questions about about systemic injustice. I'm asking questions about my own responsibility, you know, what our responsibility could be as a, as a, as a collective, as a family of people. What I know for sure, I know that if I ask the question and I say, how many, how many people were absolutely abhorred uh, and, and just shocked and, and, and grieving with the news with George Floyd and his his tragic and horrible and public passing his death that was that was terrible and I know that that is our universal response but as soon as we start diving into what it what does it look like is there what is what is there a response what is our response that's that's where there's a lot of noise and a lot of chaos and a lot of uncertainty that I that I see taking place and, um, and I see it taking place in, from so many different factions, from so many different corners. And I assume that that also is not just my story, but that that's your story too. And here's the other thing, the even more challenging thing as far as I'm concerned, is, is that our own lives, our own pain experiences, our own wrestlings, our own uncertainties with regards to things like employment, with regards to things like the connections with our friends, with regards to, with regards to things like our, our health, um, for a lot of us. I mean, these things are still raging as well in the background, right? And so there's so many questions that are kind of out there. And, and, 
as soon as we start diving into some of those things, we start we start hearing so many different postures and perspectives. Many of them are divisive. There's a passage that has jumped forward for me uh, just in the last little while, and I'm going to going to kind of get out of the way here. I, this is not just meant to be a pretty image, um, but is in fact meant to describe a forest, the challenge of seeing forest for the trees sometimes, right? Um, and in this we see uh, a passage reflected, and, and this is a famous passage. It's famous within justice movements in general that are oriented around the gospel. Um, this is from Micah. This is Micah 6, 8. And, and the, text, the text actually says this. I'm going to pull it up here. I hope it's going to work. Yeah, there, there it is. Micah 6, 8 says, says this. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And so I spent I spent a fair chunk of time reflecting on this, and I there's something I want you to know about this. Um, I want you to know that. As, as risky as it can be to grab one passage of Scripture and, and kind of build an understanding about God and about action, um, you know, we, we, call it, we can call it taking it out of context. Um, I, I spend a fair bit of time looking at the context of this passage, and I want you to know it's basically impossible to take this passage out of context, in my opinion. In my opinion, this is um, this is right at the center of what God calls us to. And I know this because this is what he called the people of Israel to in their very worst moments. Um, he, he, you know, they were right on the brink of, of losing um, for really for thousands of years uh, their, their political existence as an independent nation. This was just about to take place, the, the, the sort of first exile, where, they, uh, where the Assyrian um, government comes and, and, and basically completely divides the nation of Israel. And they never quite make a full recovery from that. Um, and so it's, you know, uh, Micah is, is kind of on the front end of this, as far as what we can tell, and he's speaking, he's speaking to, to the people of Israel, and, and there's a sense of them being under judgment because they have lost the plot. Um, they have lost the plot. They have pressed into what has been easy, right? And so that looks like idol worship, but it also looks like something that the Lord describes as being dishonest scales, right? Where essentially things are things are not are not right. 
And so when, when God speaks into, into this through the prophet, Micah, who was also a contemporary of one of our favorites, Isaiah, and he says, I have shown, he has shown you, O mortal, which by the way, that is us, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? You know? And by the way, he says this having kind of subverted the idea that just simply going to the temple and offering some sacrifices are going to take care of business. Right? So that's not the thing. What's the Lord asking of us? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. And so, I mean, this is, this is helpful for us because it's, at the, it's just right at the center of whatever God is going to call us to in this time. I promise you, it doesn't matter where we, what kind of conversation is taking place in the background. It doesn't matter what our, um, what our, our questions are, what my questions are. I mean, those are helpful for personal introspection. But I know that this is something that is like the leading tip of the arrow for every kind of response to any kind of circumstance. Writ large, no holds barred. The Lord is calling us into just action. He's calling us into a love of mercy and he's calling us to walk humbly. And the thing that I these days have been resonating with a lot of these three movements, and each one is worth unpacking at some length. Um, but for this morning, the thing that really, really resonates is actually the third bit, the walking humbly. Right Now this is walk humbly with God, and he's speaking to people who have been living out of a certain kind of arrogance, out of a certain kind of pride for some time. And so, but I've been thinking about humility, and, and I want to suggest that even in Canada, though we have a certain meekness, or we're known for a certain kind of meekness, the reality is we have a pretty profound arrogance as a culture, you know, as, as well as anything that we might throw or lob at our American neighbors. Um, you know, and all you need to do is, well, I'm, I'm not even going to go there, but we, you know, there, we really, in Canada, we think we have it. A lot of the time and there, there can be a certain arrogance and <clears throat> and so that's what I think part of the reason why the humility bit kind of st it stings just a little bit and also feels like a leading of the Holy Spirit and so as I've been pondering humility I've been thinking about how humility always involves listening and I've been thinking about how walking humbly with God, and this is not explicit in this text, but it shows up implied throughout the life of Jesus and over and over again um, in how we're called to relate to one another, that we're, we're not simply called to walk in humility to God, but we are called to walk in humility to one another as well. Right? We are called to walk in humility to one another. And I think that the very first act of humility is the act of listening. This is what I've been thinking about. That the very first, there can be no humility where there is no listening. There can be um, no humility where, we, where there is no seeing as well, I think. But, but actually, the, the, the listening, even though it's not as defined, like if, you know, not that I would want to choose one or the other, but I, I, um, 
you know, when, when you, you can hear things around a corner that you can't quite see yet, right? There's something that's very, very important and powerful in that. And so I want to focus on that this morning, this listening thing. And I think that we are called to walk humbly together in the same way that Jesus weaves um, in the scriptures, weave together this idea that loving God and loving neighbors are intertwined, right? Listening to God and listening to neighbors, having humility with God and humility with neighbors, is, I, I believe that it's intertwined. I think I'm not doing an injustice to the scripture in, 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 in calling that forward to us. And so specifically in this moment, um, because here's what the other thing that I know is that I have seen so much polarization taking place. Now, not within our specific community, um, uh, but certainly within, certainly within the church at large, certainly between people who are very good friends of mine, deep polarization is taking place. And unfortunately, again and again, it seems to be a, a descript, it seems to be a tension that falls along what we would call partisan lines. It's, it's somehow, somehow what I see taking place is that this conversation in this time is being uh, politicized, right? And, um, and that really gives me a certain amount of angst because, um, because it's very hard to listen in that context because um, the nature of, of something being politicized is that it becomes, it becomes like binary, right? This or that. It's, it's a conflict-oriented conversation or a conflict-oriented argument, right? And this is so much of what I'm seeing take place. And I don't actually care about these things. What I'm looking for is, Lord, what is your invitation to us today? How are you calling me and us to be in this time, in this space? And I think maybe there's a little bit of wisdom that's popped up in the midst of this conversation with the Lord. And so I want to submit this to you as, as a possibly something that's been really helpful for me at least possibly a way forward into this conversation and this time where we, where we don't just divide into an us and them around whatever the driving issue of the day is. And I don't say driving issue in, dis in dismissive ways. And that's part of what I want to get at. I think that all of this listening piece can be really helpfully framed in, in listening for particular things. I think if we are listening for pain, for one another's pain, for the other's pain, and if we're listening for the hopes of others, I think that these are really, really helpful things to be listening for. Because these are things that are not, we can't have an argument with them. We can't, there's no disagreeing or agreeing with somebody's pain, for example. It's, it's something that is sub, I call it sub-rational, not irrational. It's not irrational. It's sub-rational. It exists on a whole different level. If somebody is in pain, they are in pain. And we cannot rationalize their way out of that pain. We can't have an intellectual discussion and as if it's something that's out of remove. Pain is a felt experience and it needs to be addressed immediately. It's, a, it's an immediate need. And interestingly, and I haven't thought about this before until very recently, but I've discovered that I think hope is also a similar kind of thing. Obviously, it pulls us in a different direction. But, um, you know, when we hosted the Creative Festival a number of weeks ago online, we had one guy from England, and, uh, and he presented a photography series um, that he had done where he, he had interviewed people and taken their photograph. And it was right after a highly contentious election that had taken place in the UK. 
and um, and you know and so he stepped into this political arena with strangers and he asked them one question given given this election what are your hopes for tomorrow and what was really interesting was that what came forward was such a powerful and resonant thing and it and I and I know that in the space of both those who were listening and observing but also those who participated in this with him that there was a unified expression because our hopes are actually are actually also sub-rational right they they exist in a, in a deep felt plane but they're also un, pretty universal actually when you ask enough questions and so in listening for one another's pain and listening for one another's hopes, I think that there's a powerful way for us to live out what is behind me here, this acting justly, this love of mercy, and this walk that is humble. Another thought that occurs to me when we're thinking about something like pain is this. Um, not only is pain sort of an unarguable thing, it also is really consistent, and it involves two, two circumstances. And I think this is 100% true. I welcome someone to, to, to come forward with a different, like after the call or whatever, say, actually, I, I think you didn't quite get that right. I think you painted with too broad a brush stroke. But I think this, I think the pain either tells us that something is wrong somewhere, something somewhere is wrong, or or that something's being birthed. There's the, there's, there's, the, there's the pain of something being wrong and the pain of labor. I think that that's it. I think that that's the full gamut of what pain indicates to us. And so when I thought of that, I just it caused me to pause and to ask the question, Lord, I, what kind of pain is it that we're seeing happen right now? And I, my hint, I actually think it's a little bit of a both and, and I want to be, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of what God is doing right now. And for both pain, particularly pain that is is indicating something that's gone wrong, something that's not right, and also hope, if we dig deep enough, I think what we find there is we find something that's genuine need something that is a genuine need. And I've been thinking about Brady, um, you know, his juice uh, material, which I just really appreciate the work that they've done. And, and he talks about these driving needs. And I know this is familiar, at least to most of us. But he says that there are five, right? There's significance, there's meaning, there's security, there's belonging, and there's freedom. And these things, and I really have thought about these um, this is something that I think is universal, these needs, right? And we have needs that present themselves in greater ways depending on what the context of our life is. But if you remove any one of these so that we no longer have that thing, the way that that represents itself is that we can't breathe. We don't have oxygen. And I, I don't know if you've ever been in an, in an environment where you needed to breathe and you couldn't. You were underwater or whatever, or you were choking or whatever, and you needed to breathe and you couldn't. Well, just like pain, it, it becomes the most important thing. It's, it's again, it's the sub-rational. It's, it's not like you, you're rationalizing or whatever. It's just you need oxygen, right? 
And so in this space where we listen and we're listening for pain and we're listening through hope, and I think if we listen through these lenses of what our basic needs are, this gives us a place to have a meaningful conversation with everybody. Right? Because we know that there are complicated narratives that are out there right now. And I need you to know that I have my, I have my perspective and my opinions and, my, and, and what I feel compelled to and, and what I see as being really injustice, unjust in the world. But I also know that on the other side of my positions and my thinking and whatever wisdom that might be feeling that, that there's another perspective that I haven't heard or considered. Right? And so in the space of entering into a genuine, humble dialogue with one another, it just feels important to me, personally. I want to close, uh, I want to close out this way. Because, of course, um, at the center of all of this, at the center of any response that we might have, we... Are, it doesn't actually rest in the language of, of the prophets or in the stories of Israel. Um, those are helpful. Those are helpful for points. But for us, this exists completely within the person of Jesus. If it doesn't exist within the person of Jesus, then then what we're not talking about is God. Like we're not Jesus. Jesus is the is the fulfillment of this to us. And Philippians leads us into this powerfully, what's behind me again, this acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly. What does this, what does this mean for us right now? What does this mean for us right now? And we've, we've talked about this passage in the past, and I promise you that we'll talk about it again, because it is very important. There's a, there's a word that gets used here. It's a Greek word. It's kenosis, and it means self means self-emptying, right? It means, it means being unprotectionist in how, we, in, in, in how we govern ourselves and how we relate to the world around us. And this is how it evidences itself in the life of Jesus. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being uni- united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in, one in spirit and of one mind, which I feel compelled to remind us is not my mind or my spirit, but Jesus' mind and Jesus' spirit, which we find our unity in. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And this is where I think we encounter something that we can call a genuine, real answer to our questions, a genuine, real answer to what it looks like to be in this world right now. So Jesus did it, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus used every bit of his power and his position and his posture to serve 100% of the time. And he, and, and he crossed all of the kinds of lines that we could draw in the sand. He crossed partisan lines. He crossed gender lines. He crossed race lines. He crossed religious lines. He was always reaching with whatever posture that he had. And this is as, this is as God, and I think that this is so compelling to us in terms of how we follow Jesus in this time. And I want to acknowledge something. If you are like me and you're wrestling and you don't know how to be in this time, exactly, you don't know what the best right thing to do is, here's what I have not done for you this morning. I don't believe I have made it easier for you this morning in any of this idea, any of these conversations. I don't think I've given you any answers. I don't think I've helped you to decide whether or not you should join the protests that are happening right now. I don't know, I, I don't have those answers specifically. But I do believe that if we ask some of these questions and we run our conversation, and more importantly, if we, if we put our listening through, through this these two passages in particular, that we will be able to hear the voice of God speaking out of the cacophony of crazy stuff and music and sound and voices that we are hearing right now that it is a filter that will help us to be able to discern what the Lord is inviting us to in this time. And I, I just desperately, first of all, I believe it, and I desperately need it to be true, these things. Because this is a world that I don't recognize, and I suspect it's a world that you don't recognize. You know, and some of us have been around the sun a few more times than others, right? Um, and... Uh, you know, I kind of probably somewhere in the middle of the, of the spins around the sun that are represented on this call right now. But I can tell you, this I've never seen this sort of thing before. I've never witnessed this kind of angst, certainly not on my own front door. And so, Lord, into the space, we just lean back on the words that we sang this morning with Adrian and Allison let us in. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. God, you love, you love mercy. You love justice. You love humility. God, lead us in the rhythms and the cadences of these things. And Lord, we know that we encounter them in you first. God, help us to be able to see those things. That's a whole other conversation about encountering these things in in our walk with Jesus. And I know that that's a wrestle for some of us some of the time. But Lord, we just invite you to move and to speak. And God, we ask that you would move in justice, that you would, well, that you would, we ask that you would crush injustice and that you would move in justice in our time, God. these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.